0: Difficult days. Help us all as we all have challenges and anxieties that we're working through, but we know that if we put all of those at your feet, we know that we're going to be fine. We know that you know the outcome and it's all going to work out. So, dear Lord, be with us this afternoon. Bless each one of us. Be with Kim and Rich as they're off in their motorhome having a wonderful time and and some relaxing time, which they need. Either our families and our friends, please help us get through this time of COVID. Please bless each person, bless the scientists and all the drug companies come up with the uh, cure to all of this and help us be with us during this difficult time with the political atmosphere and everything. And, and just give us peace and know that you are in charge and you are here with us in Jesus'
1: name, amen. Amen. All right, well, hopefully this is recording for you, Kim. So we're going to start in 2 Peter, verse 1, and um, I am reading from the English Standard Version, if that is something you're reading from, but I've, when I was reading through this, I kind of switched versions to see what other versions said as well. So if we, it's kind of nice to start at the beginning of a of a book because you kind of get to go back and and look at the introduction of it how did this book come about and if you were at church on Sunday or you listened to pastor's podcast he kind of touched on second peter a little bit and he said that this was a time and i went back and kind of checked it this was a time that um, it was during the persecution when nero was the was was in charge of everybody and it was per, Christians were really being persecuted during this time that he wrote 2 Peter. And um, so you can think about the evilness of Nero. You know, he was the one that was um, feeding Christians to animals to get ripped apart, he was um, lighting them up as torches for the city. It was really not a good time for Christians. And Paul and Peter were both martyred during this time frame. So if you've ever done any study in 2 Timothy, that's kind of Paul's, um, they would call it a swan song. He, he, he's more personal in 2 Timothy. He's talking more about, you know, he sees his end is coming, and these are the things I want you to remember. Well, 2 Peter is kind of the same thing for Peter. He's, he knows that the end is near for him, um, and yet there's kind of a triumphant sound in these books of they have run the race, they have fought the fight, and these are the the things they want us to remember. And um, so during this time also, there was false teachers that were coming up. Uh, you know, Jesus hadn't returned, and so they're like, well, see, he didn't return, and so we can all you know, live the life we want to live, and eat, drink, and be merry, and, and it was um, kind of an immoral lifestyle that people were starting to live during that time, because, you know, when Jesus said he'd be returning, they assumed, like, pretty soon, and so I guess there was no one there to be, uh, to be watching over them, and so they were living a more decadent life during this time. Um, one of the themes that you'll see that will run through this is, has really to do with the full knowledge of God and Jesus, and that that is the foundation, is it when we have that knowledge of, of Christ um, and that knowledge of God, which comes from his word, that that will build that Christian character in us. So that's kind of the background that I dug up on Second Peter, Remember, if anyone wants to add to that, you just jump in. So I'm going to start by reading. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, I really like J. Vernon McGee, and sometimes you may hear Kim talk about him and I really go to him a lot and and look and see what he says about things. So one of the things that he pointed out with this is that if you read 1 Peter, he starts out and just says, Peter, a servant of God. Where this one he says, Simon Peter, a servant of God. And so um, one of the things that he pointed out, it was like, you know, Simon was his given name, where um, he was the man of weakness. You know, he was maybe the more wishy-washy man when he was Simon, but he became Peter the Rock. And so, you know, he has, he has both of those characters characteristics in him, and he has been both. And what we're seeing now is Peter the Rock. And, and you can look back over the Gospels and see Peter that wasn't always the Rock. He's always the one that I kind of relate to, Peter not the Rock but now he is Peter the Rock. Uh, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So I want you to kind of be thinking as we go through all of Second Peter, how many times the word knowledge is, is brought up because it really is a theme throughout, the knowledge of God, and that that's what's going to um, hold us in those end times is that knowledge of God. And when Peter says, um, up here at the top, I'm sorry, before I move on, when he says servant, he's really talking about a bond servant. And, and so if you know what a bond servant is, um, a bond servant is really owned. If you're looking at a servant, they're working off a debt, but a bond servant is really owned by the master. And so Peter is saying, you know, I am the bond servant of Jesus Christ. And isn't that what we are, the bondservants of Jesus Christ? So if you have received, and he's saying they have received that faith as precious as ours. So he's not saying, you know, ours is more important, but that that faith that we have received, now it's kind of up to you what you do with it. You receive the same faith we received. It's really up to you now. What are you going to do with that faith? Um, one of the things that um J. does say is that he believes that the word faith is really talking about the gospel that we've received that gospel and you've received it as well um, in verse three he says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And one of the words it uses in the King James um, is virtue, which really translates to excellence. And he's talking about, um, when he's talking about that excellence, he's talking about, um, I think I'll put it on the other side. Yeah, he's really talking about courage, excellence and courage, courage to excel and to be counted on by God. And I think that, again, that's where we want to be. And he says it pertains to life through the knowledge of him who has called us in his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in a divine nature. So with this knowledge, we, we will know... That, what that divine nature is, and having escaped from the corruption that the world, that is in the world because of a sinful desire. Sounds like a lot of words to me, so I really had to go back and break this down. So it says, multiplied through the knowledge of God and Jesus. And I think what we see through this book is the word knowledge. If we look it up and we move through it, it is really an important word to know. There is again knowledge in him, not just, not just because we believe, but because we really know him. Waiting for you all to speak. So anyway, that's the foundation that he lays at the beginning. That really, that it is that knowledge in Christ that is going to help us escape from the corruption of this world. So when I try to translate that into, okay, now let me look at today. I think that we can truly say that we're probably equal in corruption. Equal in what was happening in this time. I don't think that we have a Nero that's out there. But I certainly think morally we're probably you know, running along the same lines as they are. I was, um, I'm going to come back to that piece. So he's saying that for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And again, if I look at virtue, um, the word there, it means excellence and courage. Courage to excel, courage to be counted on by God. And with virtue, add knowledge. And I think more than anything, our world needs that now. They need people who really have knowledge of the word of God. And, and he's saying to us, Christ will take us there, and this is the formula. That knowledge of what the word really says is the formula for us to be able to stand against evil. And with, when we have that knowledge, we will have self-control. And with self-control, we will have steadfastness. And all of these things are like, I think, the growing up times. Like, one of the things I was, I was thinking to myself is, can you really know Jesus? Or can you be saved and, and believe in Jesus and not really know him? I mean, what do you think? Do you think you can be saved and not really know him?
0: Well, I think you can, because when we start, we're like babies when we're first saved, and- and then we have to really work at it. We have mm-hmm. to to learn what God wants and to read the Bible and work with all that to, for the knowledge.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that you can believe in Jesus and you can be saved and not really know Jesus. And I think that's what this piece is. This is the growing piece, I really think. Um, the adding to our faith, we're going to add virtue, which is really courage and excellence. To that, we're going to add knowledge. We're going to continually be building that base. And then to that, we're going to add self-control. When we have knowledge of what our Lord wants from us, I think that the self-control, it's, it's so much easier to grasp hold of. We're going to have steadfastness. Um, somebody, does somebody have a different version of this? Can you, what does yours say? Uh,
0: Do you
1: want me to start at five or six? Start at, um, I really want to know what yours says on six. It says, and to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. Perseverance. (laughs) To
0: perseverance.
1: Yeah, I knew there was another word for steadfast. So it's that perseverance, always going forward, not stopping not stifling, not not stopping to grow. I think we're going to be growing all the way to the very end. Um, to steadfast godliness and godliness with brotherly affection. So love for our brothers and sisters that are in the body and brotherly affection with love, I think they're talking about outside the body. You know, and, and that is hard. It's hard enough to love those inside the body sometimes. And to love those outside the body, I... I think some, it, it happens, I think of this lady that I knew, um, her name is Lulu, and she could love like the most difficult person. And I'm just, I find that it's not a gift I particularly have and something that I'm always feeling like I need to work at. Um, so I think those are the, the things, the growing things, the attributes, the characteristics that we're gonna have when we're growing. When you get to verse um, 8, for if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, you keep from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I think that those, if we look at virtue as strength, valor, courage, excellence, more than chastity, if we look at, instead of steadfast, look at it as perseverance, perseverance, It's something we're never stopping at. We're always running that race. We're always um, feeding that part of us that we're growing. Verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted. Let me find it again. Is nearsighted is so nearsighted that he's blind, have forgotten that he is cleansed with the former sin. What do you think that means? He's nearsighted. Not seeing the true picture. Not seeing the true picture. I agree. Not Just not seeing. It's like that veil is over him. Um... You're, you can't be effective. If you lack those qualities, that veil is over you. You're not growing. You can't be effective for the Lord. Um, you cannot be fruitful. And you've forgotten, you've forgotten that who saved you, I, I believe. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and your election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. I mean, what a nice promise, huh? I I don't want to fall. And if I practice those qualities of persevering, of building my knowledge base, of practicing self-control, of loving the brethren, of loving those in the church, of loving those out of the church, you know that the Lord has told me I'm not going to fall. And I think when we lack assurance... When we lack those assurances, it is easier to fall into sin. Um, Because there is no solid foundation underneath us. And so it is easier to fall. We're on shakier ground. Uh, When I look at verses 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, I think these really speak to Peter knew his life would be over soon. But as long as he was alive... He was going to keep reminding us. So if we look at verse 11, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think as long as... I am in the body to stir up in you by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. And my Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to at any time recall these things. So remember after he came back, he told Peter how that he would be dying and how that would come about. And I think Peter knows now, that this is coming to an end, verse sixteen when we did not follow for we did not sorry for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when they made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitness of his majesty, so In this, when we give up sin, God lifts that veil from us and we can see the truth. And he's saying, I was there, I saw his majesty. He was there at that transfiguration and he was able to see the majesty of Jesus. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He's saying, it was, I saw it. It was a miniature picture of the kingdom. So this was no myth. This is something that Peter was witness to. And in verse 19, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And I think even more blessed are we now. You know, you think how nice it would have been to have been back there, you know, and and actually hear Peter or Paul. But actually, we have the word. With my phone, we have the word, and which is more than what they had then. And so I think he's, you know, he's telling us we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. They're starting to see confirmations, but we actually have. The Bible, which is that lamp that shines in a dark place. God did not leave us alone. He left us the Holy Spirit and He left us the Word. Um, verse 20, knowing this, knowing, wait, I want to go back over to verse 11. <laughs> I forgot something in, back over in verse 11 that was, I felt kind of important. Um, no, I'll come back to it. I'll wrap up with it. So I told you I wouldn't like him. <laughs> You're doing great. Um, so when we look at verse twenty, knowing this first of all, there is no prophecy of Scripture which comes from someone's interpretation. So that transforming power in the Word of God, there is a transforming power in His Word, but you can't put a pull a verse out of context and make it a doctrine. It is confirmed by the whole word of God. And so no one can make up their own interpretation of it. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So men didn't sit down and just write it out. It wasn't something that just was thought up, but it was by the Holy Spirit that moved on them and confirmed um, over and over again in the Bible. So that ends chapter one, but I want to go back, and I want to touch on the theme of what I feel like he was, and someone else tell me if you've got something else out of that first chapter. I really feel like he is emphasizing the word of God, and that (coughs) this is a weapon against apostasies, and I, I think that we see more and more that disaffiliation. If we try to apply that now, into what's happening in our world now, that this is our weapon to be able to battle that. I feel like if they were battling it then because Jesus didn't come back right away, how much more we are battling it now. I was going down and I was just reading some headlines and um, I get this app on my phone that it kind of has a Christian perspective, uh, but it's news and so it was talking about and i'm going to tell you first of all if you identify with this i really don't know a whole lot about it but that there are red letter christians there are progressive christians i couldn't tell you exactly what that is i can tell you that just from what i've gathered it maybe they don't take the full word of god but pull pieces of the word out um it was saying that 44% of self-identified Christians believe the Bible is ambiguous on abortion. Um, that half of the self-identified Christians say sex outside of marriage is okay. That 58% including Christians reject reject moral absolutes. Um, a number of practicing Christians, the number of practicing Christians have decreased by half since the year 2000 the pope says christians should never seek to convert unbelievers and anyone who proselytizes <coughs> is not a disciple of jesus so to me i I'm, the i read in an article that that's what the pope was saying that you should not be trying to convert unbelievers so i think that there is a falling away There is an apostasy that is happening in our world today that even Christians that I would have said 20 years ago um, were super strong and were strong believers. I've seen them fall away. And sometimes I think we get so caught up in political um, things that we put more emphasis on nationalism than we do on what the word says. And I'm not saying we shouldn't believe, be, be involved, and we shouldn't stand for what is right, but I certainly don't think that should ever come before the word of God. And I believe the more we know the word, the more we're going to not fall or fall away. Um, we will not fall into that abandonment and abandon what the Word of God says. The more we know the Word of God, the more we know Jesus, the more we know what his Word says. You know, it's, it's like, you know, I'm sure you've heard this example of uh, my mother-in-law was a bank teller, and so one of the things they would have her do is The more you knew what the real dollar bill looked like, the more you would know what the counterfeit was when it came in. You knew what the real looked like. And so something fake came up in front of you, you immediately knew that wasn't real. Well, it's the same with the Word of God. The more we know what the Word of God says, the more we know what our Lord is telling us, we are not gonna fall into or fall away in an apostasy, which I think we're going to see more and more um, I think that it is our um, weapon to combat in this time. Anyone have any thoughts on all that last little bit that I said?
2: Do you think the falling away is partly because of the hatred towards Christians that people have?
0: Because if you, uh, you know, really
2: say what you feel, then
1: they consider you to be hateful. Okay, I'm going to repeat that for... For the microphone so do we think that the reason that falling away happens is because there is such a hatred for christians today that if you really speak um the word of god or speak what you think that you are so ostracized and cut off would that be fair what do you guys think about that
0: well i had friends during this political time and They were people that I thought really believed like we did. And it was interesting because, well, their comment was, well, we can justify abortion. You know, we we can see in the Bible where, you know, it's not black and white. You know, we can justify where we're thinking or the things they were thinking on that we didn't agree with because their political party believed it. Well, we can justify that. And when I'd say, okay, how do you justify? Well, they'd pick pieces out of the Bible. They wouldn't take the whole thing, and that's how they were justifying it for
1: themselves. And I kind of think that's what red letter Christian means, um, is that they take the words, the social things that Jesus said, but didn't take the whole picture of what Jesus was saying and, and pulled out those social pieces. And I think we have to take the whole world word that the the Lord says. I read something else just recently that um, it was talking about Romans 1 where, um, you know, it talks about um, more homosexuality. And so, and, and what was being said in the article was that people that identify as being gay or homosexual will say but that is my natural feeling it's not unnatural for me so it's okay you know what I mean and so I think not knowing the whole word of God you don't have that foundation and in answer to your question yes I think people don't want to hear the truth and so when you say do you think it's you know that there is a falling away Um, I know that because you know of the of the being ostracized or being hated by others, yes, I, I do think that is a fear. Uh, but I go back to what you know the word said at the what the word meant over here at the beginning. Um, when we look at at the word, I think the word was virtue excellent, that what it really meant was courage, excellent and courage, and courage to excel and to be counted on by God. And I know that I I was in a profession, I was in education, so for many years, it wasn't something that I could just talk about. But I I guess I always felt like Well, God put me in this position, and God will take me out of this position if that's what he wants. And sometimes, you know, I would just say what I felt the Lord put on my heart to say to families or to teachers or to kids. And, you know, I I think that if the Lord is putting it on your heart, then I think we have to say, then, Lord Jesus, give me the courage, you know, and and it is hard. I I say I'm the Lord's number 1 chicken. You know, I am the Lord's number 1 chicken. And but I I pray for for courage, you know, courage in my community and courage with my family because I think that that's what he's calling us to do. Yeah, and and then when you look at all those things, those statistics, that's sad to me that the number of practicing Christians has decreased by half since the year 2000, in 20 years. I mean, isn't that what they would consider a generation almost? I don't remember exactly, but I'm thinking, isn't a generation like 20 years? And so within that generation, we've lost half, half of those you know, which just speaks to me more that as parents, you know, I mean, I'm past that age, but of having children in my house, I don't, but we should be training up our children. If you're of that childbearing age, you know, training up your children to know the word. Um, I know one of the things the Lord has laid on my heart is I have a 22-year-old grandson and a 16-year-old grandson, And so every day I go through and I find um, a Bible verse that I think the Lord would want them to hear. And I send them a verse every day. I text them a verse every day. And I send a little heart to them and tell them, the Lord wants you to know he loves you. Because I know that God says his word will not come back void. And I know that their parents are not training them up and so you know i feel like that responsibility i'm praying that god's word is planted deep into their heart that they can't shake it and i i think that it's the same you know we have to keep ourselves built up we have to have that knowledge ourselves and we can't give that knowledge to someone else if we don't have that knowledge and i truly believe in a in a summary that's what Second Peter 1 is saying to us, have that knowledge, continually build that up in yourselves so that you can know it, have a strong foundation. You won't fall. It's a promise he gives us. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us that promise. Anything else you feel out of that, that comes out of that, that really speaks to your hearts?
0: The way we live our lives, many times that shines much more than things we can say to people, and I know in the school system too. There are you know things you could say and things you couldn't say, but the way you lived your life yep. and the way you shared love and mm-hmm. you know people saw that there was a difference
1: mm-hmm.
0: in you as a Christian.
1: Yes, I I know that that's true. I know that that's true. I mean, I had people say it to me, and um, so I've I felt like that responsibility. God put on me to, to be that light, because, I mean, that was a whole mission right there in front of me, you know, it was a whole mission, just being in that education system, and, um, you know, and I would tell teachers, I, when I was in Phoenix, I was a principal, and when I was in Phoenix, our school was a square mile, and so many, many mornings, more mornings than not. I drove around the school and I prayed for every teacher as I drove around the school. I called their name out to the Lord that day, that he would give them the strength and that the Holy Spirit would come and speak into the hearts of the children on that campus. We were like 1,500 kids. I mean, I had a huge campus. And and I know that God spoke that into the the people there. I didn't have to say things. I would have people tell me when I walk on the campus. I feel a difference because they felt the Holy Spirit, and I would tell them, "Oh, you feel the Holy Spirit because I pray for this campus every day." You know, I could say those things. And um, and like I say, I am the Lord's biggest coward. But I think when you pray and ask him for that courage and build that foundation, you will be that warrior for him. I'm a reluctant warrior, let me tell you. I'm reluctant. Do, you, do I have amens out there? Or are you guys reluctant amens. warriors?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I have felt like for so long the Lord has been wanting me to um, be a witness to my neighbor's. Because honestly, this pandemic has been great. Like, on I love to stay home and nobody come over. It's like <laughs> my dream world. <laughs> my dream is happening, you know. <laughs> I, I love it. And, and yet I feel like, you know, how can I be your arms and your, your hands and your feet, Lord, if I won't even go out the back door? You know, how can I be that? Um, are you guys brave like that? Are you good with your neighbors like Talking to them and stuff. Okay. I need to rub up on you girls because I'm just not.
0: Susie, I'm with you. It's hard. But one thing I have found that, you know, I'm on Facebook every day. And every chance I find something about Jesus, about God, I share it. And I think, you know, they're probably tired of hearing this. And I thought, no. Somebody's out there that needs to hear it. And so that's one way I do share my, my faith.
1: Yeah. See, and I just took myself off of Facebook. <laughs> I just deleted my Facebook account and my Twitter account because I'm like, I'm so done with this. I'm with you. I'm done with it. Yeah. So, so that Okay, so if I'm going to do that, because I agree with you, that is a good way to be able to put God out there. Then I need to get my hands and my feet out there and march the streets.
0: Well, I just find that that's an easier way for me to do it, and for for people to know that I'm a Christian. And yeah. I'm putting it out there, and like I said, a lot of people are probably, thinking, oh my goodness, she put something on again. No, I liked what and you said. Like, I'm <laughs> just okay. That's all right. You know, somebody needed to hear it. And, yeah. And if I ever think, oh, should I put this out? It's like, yes, I better put it out. Yeah. Somebody needs to hear it. Yeah.
1: It is. It is hard to say those things. It is super hard. I
2: was talking to a lady on the phone the other day, and it started out for health insurance. And it was a bill or something I had gotten, it. but we were talking, and by the time I had hung up, we had been on the phone for over ninety minutes. But it wasn't to all deal with the insurance. I asked her if she was a believer, and she said yes. And before we hung up, we'd become sisters in Christ. Well,
1: praise God. That is wonderful. And I love it when things like that happen.
2: And I don't care what color she was because she was very friendly. Yeah. In fact, she told me if anything ever happened around here to let her know. And I could come and stay with her. And I'm going, I'm not going to Arkansas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but she said she had a two-bedroom house and I could bring my animals and and she said she's going to call me
1: on thanksgiving well that's great that is great the well, other uh, no, I think it's the other day the lord put this lady in my path i had pulled up into the handicapped parking place okay, i don't think you need to hear all this kim